and welcome to HRD Live. Today we are joined by Berta Mester, Global Head for Performance, Engagement and Culture at Deutsche Bank. Lovely for you to join us. Thank you. We'll be focusing on why fostering a growth culture is fundamental within an organisation and how we can make the conversation fruitful and meaningful within this space. Berta, would you like to tell us a unique fact about yourself? Yes, I was actually reflecting upon that when you um, said that. So I think a unique fact about me is that I'm German-born, brought up in the United States for the first 20 years of my life. I have um, traveled to about over 70 countries and I've lived in the UK um, for the last 22 years um, and I've got a Danish name. Just to confuse the punters, really. (laughs) But this was a perfect setup and I started life as a diplomat, um, my professional life, yes. Well, that's like a fact book. Yes, (laughs) it is. Lots of facts. (laughs) Um, So leading on from that, can you tell us a bit about yourself and the current responsibilities you hold at Deutsche Bank? Yes. Um, I'm the Global Head for Performance, Engagement and Culture. And um, the importance of that is really what we recognised was that culture pretty much determines how people perform, how they are productive. And of course, if you want people to perform and be productive, you need to engage them. And that is the reason we brought all those three points together. And what that means is for our nearly 100,000 people worldwide in about 70 countries, we set the guidelines and the Um, outlines of how we manage performance, how we should develop performance, how we measure engagement through surveys, but how you do continuous listening really, and then how you use those insights, not just from performance and engagement, but across the organization and determine what culture we have and how we then want to foster what we call a sustainable performance culture. And when you talk about so is defining the culture. Do you think that that can be quite a difficult thing for a you know HR practitioner to actually do? It is, and it's definitely not a um, single person effort. It is really understanding mm-hmm. where the organisation is coming from. We have a heritage of nearly 150 years, so it's very important to understand all our past. Mm-hmm. It's very important to understand where we're going. It is important to bring all the different um, colleagues in from all the divisions, the functions, understanding what's important for them. And definitely there needs to be a link to what we're standing for as an organisation, but also what's expected of us from society, from regulators, from our clients, and really bringing all those factors together, which will then um, determine how we want to show up in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And um, sorry, how long have you been there for? I've been in Deutsche Bank for about eight years and five years in this role. Okay, and what would you say is your proudest achievement within your current role? I think the proudest achievement is really about um, getting the practices in place that allow us to manage performance differently and to develop performance. So in the past, it's been very much a judgment job Mm. and saying, I'm judging how your performance is going. But really where we're moving to is to say, 
um, you as a manager, you're not the judge of performance, you're the facilitator of performance. And that has been um, quite difficult to get through, but I'm really pleased to say that we are getting the message through. And this year for the first time, or actually last year for the first time, we could measure how this facilitation, how continuous conversations, the continuous interaction between manager and employee makes a measurable difference. Mm. So, for example, on our engagement scores, you see a double-digit difference between the colleagues who have positive and meaningful interactions with their managers, be it on um, team meetings, one-to-one feedback, or praise and appreciation. Mm. So it makes a huge difference. And having that measured for us um, has helped actually our management board also to own that message and to um, share that out and set expectations. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, focusing back onto this performance management specifically, um, what what would you say are the common pitfalls that organisations do fall into? Yeah, I think it's linking back to seeing themselves as the judge of performance mm. rather than the facilitator of performance. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very interesting when you look at bell curves, for example. So one of the pitfalls is to say, we will only have 15% super high performers or super talent. But that sets you up, in my mind, for mediocrity straight away, because why not go for 95% high performance? Mm. And it's really about looking at how people contribute and what they are contributing and recognizing that everyone needs to do a good job, really, not just the 15%. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is one of the key pitfalls um, to limit yourself to a percentage of high performance. The other one is that people think uh, we're all adults, so we do know what we need to do. But actually, everyone needs to have direction. Everyone appreciates praise and recognition. Everyone understands and wants to know where they stand, actually. Mm -hmm. So that's the other bit in really keeping that continuous interaction going. And the third one is really the year-end single rating, reducing people to one number. And um, that really didn't resonate with our people. They found it very demotivating. That led to a lot of conflict. Mm. And what we've looked at to say is the center point has to be the continuous conversations. And then, of course, being so big, being regulated, we do need to be able to report on that. Mm. But we're using a very rounded approach um, of indicators to look at people's experience, how they make a contribution, what they are contributing, what their capabilities are, um, progression opportunities, and most crucially, how they develop themselves Mm. to really have that continuous improvement mindset. And you mentioned there just about that conflict. Do you have any advice around the whole crisis management of that side of things? (laughs) I think that's something that, you know, our listeners might probably... um, have a problem dealing with. Say a little bit more when you talk about the crisis management of conflict. Well, just in terms of when you said that there was a conflict there, like how did you how did you manage that? What yes. what, what was the what was the outcome? So people like simplicity, and that's why they go on to ratings. But actually, um, the conflict is not about how you do the rating. The conflict is in really understanding 
what your employee can contribute mm. and how they contribute. And it's really about the listening in and as a manager having the skills to build that environment, number one, to set very clear expectations so people agree with what needs to be achieved so you have that mutual understanding no surprises mm. basically then the continuous feedback because no one likes to know at the year end or mid-year you know what they've done in January or in August and and so forth so that has to continue and then there is the bit about holding people accountability accountable as well and that is how we managed it and then actually gave a lot of training, continuous development. It's not a one-off mm -hmm. um, for people to learn. And crucially, for managers to ask themselves, do they really want to manage people or do they want to be a subject matter expert? Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned there about the regular feedback instead of sort of doing this annual conversation, yeah. doing the regular feedback. How important are conversations when driving culture um, and, you know, maximising that within the workplace? I think conversations are everything. And as I said early on in my um, background, you know, when you where I've traveled and early on, I've just noticed that openness, transparency, listening in what people have to say and creating that environment in which people can speak up will solve a lot of conflict, preempt a lot of um, issues which might be uh, cropping up. So for that reason, we believe actually these continuous conversations are absolutely crucial. And they can be five minutes, 10 minutes. You know, once you understand your uh, team members, you understand your peers, it is not that difficult. Half the time people are not having the conversation because they're worried, they don't know people, um, it keeps them back. They are not that um, trained in having an open conversation. At, at least that is what people told us in our organization. Mm -hmm. That can obviously differ from organization to organization. But it is absolutely crucial. So we train people on how to set um, expectations and how to make sure that they're agreed. And when we talk about expectations, it's actually broader than just a list of objectives. It is really anything that entails your job, mm -hmm. why the job exists, how it contributes to the strategy of the organization, how it contributes to the business results of a division itself, how it... Um, really drives um, engagement across functions, how it interacts with clients, for example, and very importantly, of how people do their job. So our values um, are huge in that. They are center, actually. Um, conduct and um, ethics all play a big role, especially when you're in banking. Mm. You know, that, that is a key part. And then that is what we say to people when you start at the beginning of the year, when you start a new job, when you need to reset expectations, because sometimes new things come up and um, that is what you need to take account of. And then it's really having the open conversation around the year of how are we doing against those expectations and giving praise, giving recognition, but also then being able to say, that doesn't quite work out how we thought this would work out mm -hmm. and we do need to course correct. But it's so much easier to have that difficult conversation when you know what it is against, you know, what are the expectations that has been have been set. Mm -hmm. 
And and finally, I guess, what advice would you give to leaders who want to develop this culture of conversations? I think the key thing is um, to have managers who actually want to manage people mm. and who are passionate about performance. And this goes back to what I said earlier about being the facilitator and developer of performance rather than being the judge of performance. And it's really taking this pride and understanding as a manager that it's not just a huge privilege to be in that role, but it is an even bigger responsibility. And team members know that, peers know that. It's so much easier to give feedback and give development suggestions if you're seen to be genuinely caring mm. about the person, genuinely caring about their career, about how your division, how your team does. And, of course, it's so much more appreciated if people think that your heart is in that rather than just choosing a managerial position because it helps your career. And um, finally, I would say is the key thing about performance is that it's perennial. It's not just for year end or Christmas. Performance is all year round and performance is something really positive, which most people want to do. They want to achieve. They want to leave work to say, I had a good day and I really got good things done. And I know it's appreciated by my manager, by my division, by my function or the organisation, because I'm really contributing to the performance overall. Thank you so much for your insights. They've been fascinating. Um, as always, uh, please tune into our HRD Live podcast for your weekly dose of conversations from all aspects across HR. And do join us again next week. Goodbye and have a lovely day.